And so you see the uh, title of our series, Hope Found. You see the title of our sermon this morning, Hope Found in His Only Son. If you have a copy of God's Word with you, turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 down through verse 23 will be our text for the day. In verse 21 through 23 will actually be our diving board for the whole of the series, especially verse 23. That will get there in just a moment as we uh, see this hope that is found. Every single one of us live a life, seven days a week, all kinds of responsibility, whether it is in the classroom, at the workplace, even at home. We are so easily distracted at times. Might I dare say that we are so easily discouraged at times. And in those moments of distraction and even discouragement, there is hope. We begin this series, and I want you to stay with me for a few weeks as we look at hope. Hope being found in His only Son. Hope being found in the cross of Calvary. Hope being found in an empty tomb. And hope being found in a risen Savior. Because all of those things bring Hope. I am a, a firm believer in this, that if you and I were to see Jesus correctly, if you and I would be focused on Him and we would see Him as He truly is, your thoughts would be different, sir. Your words would be different, sir. Your thoughts would be different, ma'am. Your words and your actions, your attitudes, your deeds, all the things that go into your life, into your day, into my day, would be different if we would see Him. And it's not as if He is veiled and we can't see Him. It's you and I are too busy that we won't see Him. And it's great that you come here on Sundays and you hear a sermon that I hope is good and I hope is penetrating your heart and in your life, but to be honest, you and I need more than that. Literally, ten years ago next week, I was preparing for the first Sunday of River Bend. And as we, wasn't just me, but as we were gearing up for that time, I have always stated before then and even after then that this isn't what River Bend is going to be about. Meaning right now. You coming to this place. This isn't what River Bend is going to be about. And I don't know, I'm looking out at a number of faces that I've told this to individually, and I tell it to you collectively, if you're only going to give me an hour a week at River Bend, don't make it here. 
Don't make this your hour that you give us. Go to connect. Right now, we're in the middle of a semester of connect, and we are wrestling through what I'm preaching on. So whatever the the text is for the Sunday, that's where we're going in connect. And it's an opportunity for you to ask questions. It's an opportunity for you to connect with one another. That is what's more needed than you coming to this place. Now, I state that full and well, knowing that if you get connected there, you will come here. You will. You'll want to be here. But if you come here, you won't necessarily go there. And it's important for you to go there. For your growth, for our growth, for your hope, for Him. That was free. Let's get back to the sermon. Let me read the text, and as I read the text, many of you know the drill, I want you to think about what this says about God, what this says about Christ. As I read it, you're going to see a number of attributes, a number of descriptions of who He is. We're going to dive into some of those today, but I want you to think about what this says about Him and then what it says about us. And is there any action that you and I need to take that we must take because of this? So here are the verses. Verse 15 and following, Paul writes to those in Colossae. He says, He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, by Christ... All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him, and all things were created for Him. Verse 17, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, You folks at Colossae, you folks at Riverbend, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, before God. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a text. Father, what a a passage for us to look 
to look at about hope. Father, I pray that as we spend the next few moments in this passage, God, you would speak. Father, there are some ladies in this room that need hope today. They need to hear from you and they need to know that you are right there with them at this very moment. The same goes for some men, some students. Father, the same goes for me. Father, may we see your son. May we see your son in such a way that blows our mind because we are finite and cannot comprehend his greatness, your greatness. Father, give hope this morning, I pray, for every single one of us and for this, your church. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Hope found in his only son. The first key to that is this, that hope is found because of who he is. A number of songs this morning alluded to all the attributes, all the descriptions of who this Christ is. Paul tries his best to describe an indescribable person as he Pins verse 15 down through verse 20. And I want to talk with you about this Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him and before all things, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. A number of descriptions. Let me bring out two or three of them for you today. The first is right there in verse number 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Every single one of us understand what this means because most every single one of us have one of these things called a smartphone that makes you and me look not so smart. But on the screen of these things called smartphones, there are apps, otherwise known as icons. And if I were to go to one of these apps, let's just say that I go to Starbucks. Let's don't go to Starbucks this morning. Let's figure out how to go to Starbucks. How's that? Let's go to Google Maps. And if I were to take this index finger and I were to press on that icon, it holds everything inside of it that Google Maps has. Every aspect of Google Maps is found right there in that icon. 
And that's the word that Paul uses about Christ. He says He is the image. He is the icon. You think of everything about God who is invisible and you can't see. You've never seen Him. You look at Christ and that's who He is. Every attribute. Every characteristic. Every aspect of His love. Every aspect of His holiness. Every aspect of power, of might, of faithfulness, of forgiveness. And all the other attributes. It is seen in Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. This past week I was thinking about the sermon. I was doing my quiet time and I came in Exodus chapter 33 and Exodus chapter 34 and Moses says, God, if you're not going to go up with us, I'm not moving. I would rather be out here in the wilderness. I would rather be out here eating manna for another 40 years, for another 400 years, for another 4,000 years, if you are not going with us into the promised land. And God says to Moses, I'll go with you. My presence will be with you. And Moses says, let me see your glory. Father, let me see you. And God says, no man can see me and live. But here's what I'll do. There's a rock over there, and there's a cleft in the rock. I will hide you. You go stand on the rock, and I will hide you. I will cover you. And as I walk by in front of you, I will take my hand off of you and allow you to see my glory. And then, that's the end of verse of chapter 33, and then in, verse, in chapter 34, in verses 6 and 7, as God walks by, God just starts talking about Himself. It is amazing to see how God speaks of Himself. He says, I am great and mighty and holy. I am the one who forgives for generations. But I will not let those who sin go unpunished. Verse after verse, 5, 6, 7 of chapter 34, He speaks of Himself and He allows Moses to see His glory. But he says, you can't see me face to face. And then Jesus comes on the scene. Hundreds of years later, hundreds of years later, he comes on the scene and he is the image of the invisible God. Second description that you and I need to see this morning is kind of a hard one to understand. If you look there in verse number 16, it states this, excuse me, the end of 15, he says, he is the firstborn of all creation. Now we have a question. The firstborn, I thought Jesus was always there, that he was not created. If you look in John chapter 1 verse 1, it states this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning. He, he was not created. So therefore, was He created or was He not created? If you look down one more verse, in verse 17, is He the one who created all these things or was He created? All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. Or was He created? got two quotes from a uh, commentator on the subject. 
hopefully, to bring some clarity to you and me. The definition of firstborn, it, it provides an understanding for the statement translated over all creation. As previously noted, some have wanted to take the statement in a parative sense as the firstborn part of the whole creation. This is impossible. It's impossible with the sense demanded of the word firstborn. And the second quote is this, the two assertions that are made in verse 15 are regarding Jesus in his work toward us as the revealer of God. He manifests God to us. In his work toward creation, he is prominent over it. Leave that up for just a second. What Paul is trying to get across to you and me is this. First about Christ. In his work toward us, Christ in everything reveals who God is. You read Matthew all the way through John. Every gospel sentence, every day of those recorded years are all there to reveal God to you. That's why He came. That's why He walked. So that you and I might see. We might experience God. Not just know things about Him. No. That we might experience God. And the second reason in this passage, in His work toward creation, He is over it. He's not in it, He is over it. The only reason that you and I are here today is because Christ created the heavens and the earth. All the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let us do this. Let us. Romans chapter 1 speaks verse after verse that it is the Son who created. John chapter 1, it is the Son. And here we see once again that all things were created through Him and all things were created for Him. Jesus Christ is firstborn, and Paul describes him that way in this sense. It's in a Jewish sense that he is writing to say this, that there is a birthright of the firstborn, that he holds a special place above all the others that are there, and he is trying to describe that for you and for me and those at Colossae that day, that Christ is special, and there is a special place for him. He's firstborn. He's preeminent. He's prominent. Look at verse number 17 and 18. Then we will move forward. He is before all things. In Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in that in everything he might be preeminent. It was almost 20 years ago that I heard this sermon by Jerry Vines. At the time, he was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, and he was preaching through Colossians, and it was the First Baptist Church of Jacksonville's pastor's conference in February of that year, and he preached this passage. And when he got to chapter uh, 1, verse 17, where it states, 
He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He just peeled back the universe. Similar passage and a similar statement has been made by Louis Giglio about the expanse of the universe and how great it is, and the only reason that it is held together is because of Christ. The only reason that the sun stays where the sun is. The only reason that the earth and the other planets are orbiting around the sun is because Jesus says stay there. The only reason that a bumblebee can flap its wings and fly is because Jesus says it can do that. The only reason that you can inhale right now or exhale right now is because He says you and I can do just that. That is the only reason that this universe, that is the only reason that the synapses in your gray matter or in my gray matter work because of Him. And He holds it all together. Sometimes you don't think that you can figure out what that thought is, and sometimes I know I can't figure out what my thought is, but the reason that you and I can is because of Him. And there is hope because of who he is. Second truth about him being his only son. Look in verse number 19. Verse number 19 says this, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Hope is found. Hope found brings a footing to unstable times. You and I live in unstable times. You and I live in in a world that is so unstable. We, We don't even understand how unstable our world is. We think that we're tucked away in North Mississippi and there's really... Yeah, what goes on halfway around the world doesn't bother us. What goes on three states over doesn't bother us. What goes on two houses over doesn't bother us, when in actuality all of those bother us. All of those impact our lives. You and I live in a world that seeks to snare, entrap, seeks to hold you down, And your footing and my footing must be secure. And the only way that it can be secure is in verse number 19. In Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. I don't want you to raise your hand, but you just raise your hand in your mind, okay? And it... I'm telling you, everybody's hand would be raised if I would let you do that this morning. But don't do it, because you're going to show how desperate you are, okay? How many of you adults in high school wanted to be a part of the in crowd? Don't raise your hand. I see those hands going up in your mind right now. You want to be a part of the in crowd. Maybe at your school it was the, uh, the athletes. 
Maybe we want to be a part of the in crowd right now by the labels that we wear on our shirts or on our jeans, on our blouses, on our purses. Maybe we want to be a part of the in crowd with the decals that are on our automobiles or the signs in front of our neighborhoods. Everybody wants to be a part of the in crowd. There's only one person that's in the in crowd. It did not state in verse 19 that in Brian Tillman, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In those in the black seats today, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. No, there's only one who has been accepted. The one who has been accepted is Christ. And in Him, He is in the in crowd, in Him there is secure footing for these times of distress, these times of discouragement. Let me try to bring it down to today. Adults, you have a boss over you. You have deadlines that you have to meet. You have issues and stress that just come at you. You don't know when it's coming. It may come Tuesday at 4 o'clock. Verdict may come Thursday morning at 9.17. Maybe Friday afternoon. You've made it the whole week. And everything's been great. But about 1.28. Erosion. Because of the times because of what's happening in this world, because of what's happening in your life, that you try to hold it down, you're trying to hold it together, you're putting all the Gorilla Glue and the Gorilla Tape on it. All right, this isn't going to make it to India, okay? So um, I was in India a couple weeks ago, and one of those people that we know, not Levi, but the other guy, Trey Clinney, um, he had a leak in his pipe. And the water pump, every time the water pump turned on so that the water would get into the house, the pipe would just come undone. So, Trey Clinney does what everybody in India does. He got out the Gorilla Tape that you can't buy in India. And he went up on top of his roof and he just started rolling the Gorilla Tape over and over and over. And guess what? Stuck. With a drip, 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 drip. And so I was spending the night at their house. And he said, hey, you better go ahead and take a shower now because who knows what's going to happen. And I said, yes, sir. So I took a shower, got through the next day, go back. Hey, we got to get back up on top of the house. Gorilla tape doesn't stick together when it's wet like it should. Why do I say that? What does that, what does that bring? Because you and I try to piece things together with Gorilla tape for our life. And it might last for a day. It might last for a week. It might even last for a couple of months. But the only one who is accepted in God for all the fullness of God to dwell is Christ. Brian, how does that help me? Here's how it helps you. Because if you're in Him, you're accepted. If you're in Him, you don't have to work for it. If you're in Him... Everything has been done. If you're in Him, rest. 
secure. But Brian, all the responsibility. Yep, there's responsibility. All the task. Yep, all the task. Your life, sir. Your life, ma'am, is secure. Let me close with verses 21 through 23. We see a, three, a third key. In verse 23, it states this. If indeed you and I, if we continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from what? Not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you and I heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. You and I can find hope. It is found. And this hope that is found is good news for our community. Community in Cenotopia. Community in Hernando, community in South Haven, community in Olive Branch, community in Nesbitt, community in Lake Cormorant, community in Walls, community in Northwest Mississippi. There is good news. Hope can be found. Hope can be found in those communities because of Him. Because there is hope in the gospel. wrote a couple of things on my whiteboard about our community. Let me just share a couple of those with you as I close. In the community where you live, in the community where I live, 68 people out of every 100, 68 people out of every 100 in Tate County, DeSoto County, for that matter, all of Mississippi's 82 counties will not be in church. 68 out of 100 will not be in church. They won't be in church today. They won't be in church next week. They won't be in church the week after that. Some of them will be in church, but on any given Sunday, 68 out of 100 people are not churched. By the year 2050, the population of the United States of America will increase by 37%. That's the rate of growth. 2050, 37% more people will be in the U.S., will be on the face of the earth than there are right now Christianity is growing at 20%, so there's 17% we're not keeping up with. Secularism, which is exploding in Europe and in the Americas, North America especially, is growing by 23 to 24% by that time. There's only one group, religious or ethnic that will surpass population growth. It is Islam. If it holds true, Islam will grow at 73%. It 
You're like, Brian, how can that be? They have more babies than we do. That's where their growth comes from. Vast majority of it. You say, Brian, I thought this was about hope. There is hope. Because there's one answer. There's one answer for your community. There's one answer for the house that you go into the door and shut the door behind you at at night. There's one answer for the house that's beside you. There's one answer for the community that you drive through to get to your house, to get to work. There's one answer. And it's the gospel. I was jet lagged because I'd just gotten off a plane at about 10 o'clock the night before, and um, it was supposed to be 10 o'clock in the morning, but I'd been on an airplane for 22 hours, and I wanted to crash, so I crashed, got up the next morning, and I walk into a room of 37 pastors, and they had been there for a couple of days, and they were just going to give their goals for the year. Every one of these 37 lived in a different city, a different uh, part of of India, mainly in the northwest where Levi and Trey and all those that are around them work, but some of them were from the south. And they stood up and they, and they came to a whiteboard at the front of the room and they started writing down their goals. And the first one, I was still asleep, the first one wrote down the number 5,000. And I was like, okay, what's that going to be? And he stood there and he said, 5,000. I will share the gospel this year 5,000 times because my city needs to hear about Jesus. And I said, let me try to do the math. If this guy is going to share the gospel 5,000 times in 365 days, how many times a day does this guy have to share the gospel? I couldn't get that number in my head as to how many times because the next guy stood up and he wrote on the same whiteboard 10,000. I said, surely he's not going to say 10,000. He's going to share the gospel 10,000. I will share the gospel 10,000 times because there are 2 million people in my city that need to hear the gospel. When I just shared with you that 68 out of every 100, 68 out of every 100 Mississippians don't go to church, the number is... I know this isn't right, but the number is like out of every 97 people, 99,000 of them don't know Christ over there. It can't happen. I understand that. But it's huge. And the way that they are going to share the gospel, the way that they're going to get the gospel out, the way that they are going to see that their city has changed is by opening their mouth and telling those around them, hey, here's hope. And I look at a hundred plus people in this room right now. And to be honest, I'm looking more at myself than I am at you. Because there's hope in one. There's hope in one. How many times are you going to open your mouth this week, Brian Tillman? How many times are you going to open your mouth this week to talk about the gospel? This past week, I opened my mouth one time and talked about the gospel to somebody that didn't know the gospel. But this past week, I opened my mouth and talked about North Carolina Tar Heels more than that. 
means absolutely nothing in eternity. How many times are you going to start a conversation and end a conversation and not speak about the gospel? How many times will we? How many weeks? How many days will we go by without sharing the hope? Somebody shared the hope with you. Somebody shared the hope with me. Why won't we talk? The city that I live in, some 16,000. 16,000 people. With two-thirds of them needing to know the gospel. If every single one of us would speak it this week, that number would go down drastically. This week. If we'd speak it again tomorrow, it'd go down drastically. If we'd speak it again the next day, it'd go down drastically. There's hope. This isn't a beat-down sermon. There's hope. There's an answer. There's hope. Heavenly Father, God, in the coming weeks, you know the text and you know the, the passage, the, the sermon, the material that we will speak about, about how you reconciled us, Jesus, through the cross. It is a a harsh way. But it is the only way that you could reconcile me, a sinner, us, sinners, with you, a holy, awesome God. Father, my marching orders are clear from you this morning. Our marching orders are clear. That you have called us, commanded us to go. For you are worthy of it. Father, I pray that you have shown us who you are. That we have seen. We have seen a glimpse. We have have focused in on your son in such a way that we see you Jesus we see you our Lord our Savior our Master our King and that because of that Lord you have have torn down all the obstacles all the barricades the barriers that that we have put up to not talk with those around us that we come in contact with for teachers not to talk with students that come across they come across in their rooms for workers not to talk with co-workers for employers not to talk with employees for dads not to talk with kids for moms not to talk with their kids for us not to talk with our neighbors so that they might see the hope that we have
Maybe you need to come this morning and kneel before Him afresh and anew and just say, you know what, all this stuff, I give. I I give it up and I just want to rest in You. I, I can't work anymore. He doesn't want you to work. He's already finished it. Maybe you need to come back to Him and say, I've chased after all this stuff that America has to offer, that the world has to offer, and it's left me still wanting. Maybe you're here and you've never accepted Him. There's no better time than right now. The invitation is for every single one of us. Obey as we stand and as we sing. You join with us.